Today on the show, we learn to open our hearts and carve out a corner of paradise among the apocalypse. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Connor. And I am Lawrence. And we are back at it for episode three yeah. of The Last of Us adaptation uh, series on HBO. And today we'll be taking over a town, building a fence, and uh, starting a life together. Yeah building, yeah, building physical walls and tearing down emotional ones. That's what today's all about. <laughs> also inventing a really sweet uh, chainsaw gas pipe flamethrower. <laughs> oh my God, those things were it, awesome. There, there's so much to talk about. Episode, episode three was a big one. I think, you know, just the collective consciousness, like pop culture itself reacted to episode three of The Last of Us. I think like this one just made such a splash with its story and what it did with material from the game. There's a lot to go over there. Uh, can't wait to break into it. You know, as usual, if you've listened to us on uh, this uh, on this grind before, you know how it is. We'll break down the episode, go over what happened, and then get into our thoughts on it. Uh, but first, a little bit of housekeeping. Just wanted to put it out there as a reminder. We love to hear from our listeners. Feel free to email us anytime at podcast at loreparty.com with your thoughts questions episode ideas uh criticisms uh, <laughs> hot takes insults knock knock jokes e- who knows we might read them on another episode yes. some, somewhere down the road so yes awesome i'm a super fan so like ask me some questions I- i'm realizing now i'm coming yeah. into my own as a last of a super fan so like quiz me <laughs> i'm glad you're owning that yeah lawrence lawrence is a font of knowledge anything you want anything you're not you're not clear on or or test him like give him some trivia like oh yeah you think you're so smart uh how about this <laughs> just yeah come at yeah. us because I, I got you <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us directly you can also uh find lawrence at twitter and on twitch at produced by underscore lk that's at produced by underscore lk you can find connor at connor howard vo and that's connor with an er on Twitter and uh, on his website, Connor Howard VO. That's also Connor with an ER there. Connor Howard VO.com.com. Not that dot org crap. <laughs> Com. That's right, because I'm commercial. I'm all about uh, all about my green. Word. <laughs> and of course, you can always connect with the entire Lore Party team on Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Remember that underscore. It's important. Yes. Before we uh, dive into episode three, quote, long, long time is the title of, uh, of episode three of The Last of Us. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and get right into it. So stick around. I got to gas up my shitty S10. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> got to go build a battery. <laughs>
All right, and we're back. Turns out this thing is still kicking. Uh, but but, <laughs> uh, but before we dive into this episode, um, you know, if you haven't watched Last of Us uh, episode three titled Long, Long Time, now's the time to pause and go watch it and enjoy it because it is a masterpiece. It is a beautiful piece of work and we are about to spoil the shit out of it. So go watch it first. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's worth it. Go do it. But now that we have warned you. You can't sue us. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode begins without a cold open this time, actually. Uh, the last two episodes had cold opens, but no cold open on this one. We uh, just cut right into the wilderness outside of Boston, or at least the wilderness that is being portrayed as 10 miles west of Boston. I'll get to this later, but <laughs> someone pointed out that like, no, central Massachusetts does not have that many mountains. Come on, man. <laughs> so, but that's what the title card says. You know, it's outside of Boston, and uh, we see Joel kneeling by a river, and he's kind of rinsing off his uh, his hands. He's getting cool water onto his bruised, bloody knuckles. And we also see him stacking stones into a narrow tower. Uh, I believe these are called cairns. They're these little tiny stacks of rocks that uh, people can put up you know, out in the wilderness and they're usually some sort of, uh, remembrance marker. So this is me speculating a little bit, but this seems like he's kind of doing this for Tess. Maybe that's, that's a, that's my, that's the thought I had. At least he's kind of staring off into the distance and stacking rocks. He's having a private moment to himself. Like Ellie's not around right now. So to me, this felt like he's thinking about Tess when he does this. I didn't even think about that. That's actually, uh, I was like, this guy's just obsessed with building things now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, there's, there's, there's two interpretations. He's mourning his friend, or he's just, he just can't switch off that carpentry bug. He's always got that little handyman gene. That he had, it, that he had in episode one. It's just like, it's, it, this is the Joel, this is construction by Joel Miller. So he <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't turn it off. Well, I, I think Karen's like that with little rocks. They're usually, they're, they're like a remembrance thing. They can be grave markers. They can be, or just like, literally just as simple as I was here is like what they usually are, what they usually indicate. But, uh, you know, so he, he kind of steps away from that and he goes back to a campsite out in the, out in the, in the, in the woods where Ellie waits for him. He's giving her the cold shoulder. Like he's barely saying anything to her. He's, you know, standoffish and she kind of confronts him. She kind of says like, I want you to not take out what happened on me. You know, like uh, she's kind of saying, she's saying it a little indirectly without really saying it explicitly. You two chose, you know, what brought us here. Don't take it out on me. Uh, you wanted a battery, you know, don't blame me. And so he's not happy, but he nods at her. Like he's like, he's understanding what she's, what she's asking for. Like, okay, I'm not going to be angry at you. Or I'm going to try not to be. You know, it's, it's, it, Tess, obviously, in the last episode, we said goodbye to Tess, and it was a tragedy, but uh, I think Joel, Ellie wants to put it out there. Like, that's nobody's fault. Let's not make that a thing between us. And so he just sort of silently nods at her before they break camp and move on. Yeah, which that just bothered me, but uh, I, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, you really are. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you really are young. Shout out to Bella Ramsey for playing a kid, like, so fantastically. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's yeah. so good. I was like, what a perfect line. Um, but... On their way to meet Bill and Frank, Ellie continues to pester Joel in very much teenage fashion. Mm -hmm. Just pester him with a rapid succession of questions and um, like just like, you know, what he's looking out for. Hostile people. And he, which Joel responds like he's looking out for people and not infected. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how he got the scar on his head. 
She's like, was it something lame? Did you fall down the stairs? And he's like, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> he's yeah. just like, no, someone shot at me and uh, he missed. And then it's like, did you shoot it? Did you shoot him back? Yeah, I missed though. It's like, that happens more than you think. I, I love that line because that is actually very true. Like it, it's true because in the game, like enemies shoot at you and miss a lot. And uh, it's also not that easy to aim your gun in the heat of the moment in the game. So it's like, and in real life too, People who've been in real life combat, they'll tell you like, no, bullets will fly and not hit anyone for a while. And then someone will just get unlucky and get hit. And so like, no, that's, he's wrong. He's not wrong. And yeah. that's, that's what is funny. Cause like he's happens more than you yeah. think <laughs> people <laughs> miss Joel yeah. Miller wisdom. That's and right. she's like, you know, Hey, is, uh, you know, are Bill and Frank nice? And Joel's like, Frank is, uh, Joel is probably <laughs> just like, this is more questions than I ever want to be asked, but like, so she then asks again for a gun, which is like, you know, very, very uh, it, it's a callback to the game. The very beginning of broken record. Yeah, always, <laughs> always wanting that gun. Uh, and Joel yeah. is just going to keep denying her. Um, so the two stop by an abandoned gas station where Joel previously stashed some gear that he can't seem to find or he is zeroing in on. Uh, <laughs> Ellie, Ellie sees a Mortal Kombat arcade cabinet and uh goes like crazy and is enthusiastically sharing details about um you know what she learned from a friend who knows everything about it which i liked this scene because i liked that they mm -hmm. added mortal Kombat into the scene yeah they made it a real game because i, I think in the last of us video game the cap the the in-game game, I'm saying game a lot, but the arcade machine that she recognizes in the game version of Last of Us is like a fictional game called The Turning, I think. It's like a vampire fighting arcade game. But yeah, they made it Mortal Kombat in this. I guess it'd be more relatable, just something more recognizable. So yeah, she runs up. I love it because it's like, oh my God, there's this character called Melina and she eats you and pukes out your bones and it's awesome. And like, yeah, and it was just, it was like really fun. And in the game, it was like someone, I think it was called, they were called like angel knives and they like slap angel knives and slashed right. you up and shit. See you guys, super fan, yeah. super fan. <laughs> if I was on Jeopardy, I'd be like, Last of Us, one that Last of Us, 1000. I'd go, I'd clear the category and then lose it all. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, dominating one column doesn't get you all the way across I, the finish I, line I, in Jeopardy, unfortunately. I just leave after that. It's like, you can't. <laughs> this is all I came here for. So, yeah, okay, I've done what I'm, I came here for. I'm out of here. <laughs> Take this. <laughs> so, while Lawrence is playing Jeopardy and uh, hoping for questions about Last of Us, uh, Joel is attempting to kind of relocate and uncover what he'd previously hidden at this place. And it's funny, Ellie's like, you forgot where it is, didn't you? And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm zeroing in on it. Like, yeah. uh, and so while he's busy with that, Ellie decides to take a look around on her own. And she eventually makes her way into uh, the basement of, it's like a gas station where they are. They're in some kind of gas station, basically. And she like just kind of climbs down into the basement. And uh, she's looking around and all she finds that's useful, at least. Is, is a box of tampons and so she's like oh sweet those will come in handy and so uh but before you know she can you know get back out of the basement uh a nearby infected snarls and startles her it's like a you know she hears an infected noise uh luckily this uh this critter is uh trapped under a pile of dirt and debris and it's not a threat it's like dying it's like just half buried under a collapsed ceiling basically and she just kind of like comes up and starts like dissecting it almost she uses her switchblade to like cut open its face it's like i was like curious about this is she just like you know wondering what's underneath the skin and just 
you know, wants to know more about them. That's what it seemed like. She was just like, oh man, I don't get an opportunity to see infected up close. So I'm going to, you know, take it apart a little bit. That's what it seemed like to me, at least. If, if I had to guess, and I won't go super deep, I think she's um, pissed off. I think Maybe. she's got, there's yeah. a little bit of, she's got a little bit of uh, anger towards the infected for, for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so, yeah, she's kind of like just taking her time with it. But eventually she does finish off the infected, stabs it in the head with her switchblade. And uh, and she comes back. And by the time she's back, Joel has uncovered his stash and he hides his rifle inside the uh, automatic rifle that he got from the guard at the Boston QZ. And it's like, Ali's curious, like, why are you leaving that behind? It's useful. And he says, well, it's low on ammo. And there's not much out there for it. So it's dead weight, basically, which Joel, always the practical yeah. one. Very, uh, very, you know pragmatic he says yeah might as well just leave it here and so they uh collect their belongings and hit the road again yeah which yeah i was like she's like oh, i can use it i'm like that gun is the same size as you i am not trusting a child <laughs> yeah, no yeah, way. i am not trusting a child to hold this and hoping i don't get shot Mm-mm. you get a pistol but not this <laughs> yeah it's like so on the um you know they hit the road again uh they see wreckage from a crashed airplane on top of the hill which was kind of cool um, you know, Elliot is like super amazed by it. And then Joel remembers flying in a commercial aircraft and is like, just like really like downplaying it. Like he's talking to someone who was born, uh, pre-infection. Like he's like, you gotta sit in the middle seat and pay $12 for a sandwich. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it wasn't really all that cool. Trust me. I was, yeah, there. it was, it was cracked up to be and then, like Ellie's just yeah. like, you flew. You were in the sky. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm like, that is actually fucking cool when you haven't actually, I mean, you can't do that anymore. It's, yeah, it's, I, I do really like these, these little examples of the generational difference. Like, you know, just stuff that Ellie has no experience with at all and stuff that's like mundane to Joel. Like, it's not a big deal. Right. And flying is like, she can't even imagine flying, like, because no one flies and uh, anymore. So it's like, yeah, just the novelty of it alone uh, you know, that they're, they're from different worlds. It's always cool to see that. In yeah. Cause she could only technically go like right now, like most of the, most likely she could only go on land. Like she's not gonna, yeah. there's probably not going to be any sea travel or air travel or any type of that. So like, it's just kind of Pretty cool much, to think yeah. about something like that. Uh, yeah. so then Ellie starts peppering him with questions again, because she's a teenager <laughs> and uh-huh. she's like, um, you know, how did the government fail to to uh, prevent the cordyceps outbreak? Which I loved because how she put it in the show is like, how did the shitty government fail to prevent a pandemic? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, in 2020, you'd be surprised. Kid. <laughs> yeah, just, I was like, oh, I like that little like Bob Ross social commentary that they wanted to sprinkle in there. That's that was yeah, funny. like <laughs> that that cracked me up. And then um. You know, uh, she was like, uh, she just kind of asked though about like the cordyceps outbreak and expresses disbelief that like the world could fall apart that quickly. Um, yeah. But luckily, she's with Joel, who was there, <laughs> and he mm-hmm. explains that um, you know pretty much like what people have managed to put together over the years. And the theory is, and this mm-hmm. is one of the fan theories that was cir- circling around online that they just brought in here is that the fungus mutated yeah. to affect people and uh, contaminated part of the food supply early on and uh, ended up basically hitting all the major cities worldwide. 
um, which is why in the first episode, it was really good that uh, they didn't get that pancake mix or that, that uh, cake. Yeah, dodge the bullet. Yeah. Dodge two bullets Good thing there. for those eggs and those shells. Like, otherwise, they would have been doing the twitchy <laughs> dance. <laughs> uh, and this is like the first... The first infected people unknowingly ate contaminated food, got sick, started biting the next day. And then like Friday, September 6, 2003 was the night it all went wrong. And by Monday, mm -hmm. it was all gone. So like that was one hell of a weekend. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, that was, Fuck, that, man. it was never the same again. <laughs> But imagine going home from work that Friday afternoon, like, see you guys on Monday. <laughs> no, no, you won't. <laughs> Boy, today fucking sucks. I need to recharge. <laughs> <laughs> then you get into the office and like your coworkers are eating each other. Like, hey, boy, Monday. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my man, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is like just it's just so fucked up. Thing. Someone probably went home and was like, yeah, I just I need a, a break. Little do they know. Imagine someone someone quit that day. I'm not going back to work on Monday. I'm, I fuck yeah, this job. Yeah, fuck I'm not, this, you know, I, I can't go back. Fuck this job. I don't need it. Uh, <laughs> you'll all see. <laughs> You're all going to see. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That, that was actually a really interesting scene, though. I, I loved the subtle um, infusion of Joel's background into him just like answering her question. Like, Ellie was just curious, like, from a high level, like just mechanically, like, you know, you could just give her the straight facts of what happened, but Joel very subtly infused a little bit of what happened to him. Like he got more personal than he would have otherwise. I think more than he was meaning to just in the process of answering her questions. Like he was talking about, it was in basic ingredients like flour or sugar. And then he just kind of said pancake yeah. mix. Like he just kind of threw that out there. Yeah. And like I, you could look, you could see he had a far away look in his eye as like, he's, he's pulled, that's something personal. And uh, when he said the words Friday, September 6th, 2003, that was like, that was coming from deep within him. Like he's remembering stuff he doesn't like remembering, but it's like he's just detached enough and this is all basic information enough that it doesn't feel like he's opening up to her, but he kind of yeah. is. That was really, that was like a really cool dialogue to watch. Yeah. He was so. like, Joel was really aloof this entire episode, yeah. which I really liked. And like, shout out to Pedro Pascal for the, Mm -hmm. excellent performance because Always. conveys this like it's it's super subtle and you gotta be paying attention but yeah it's it's um it's really natural yeah and so not long after this conversation though they they kind of you know they're on the road and joel stops ellie and you know, he puts a hand out he says uh well, we should probably get off the road go around through the woods and uh you know she asks why what's is there something dangerous up ahead it's like well no it's not dangerous but there's just something i don't want you to see and of course being a 14 year old ellie's like well now i have to see it like come on like you know, what, are we, what are we talking about here and so you know she's unfazed ignores his warning and she just pushes on and she comes up on a ditch on the side of the road and it's filled with skeletal human remains it's it's very clearly some kind of mass grave. Just a lot of bodies were put in this ditch. And there's just a stunned silence, like a pause. Ellie just kind of stares at it. She doesn't even ask anything. I, or I, I think, she, yeah, she's just silent. And Joel just kind of volunteers information. He just kind of says, about a week after outbreak day, soldiers evacuated the rural you know, communities and took civilians to quarantine zones if there was room. And you know, the pregnant pause there. Basically, he explains it like if 
people were taken to quarantine zones, but they were full. The people were just gunned down on the side of the road, just executed en masse uh, and just, just put in a ditch like that. So Ellie's obviously very disturbed by this. And she wonders why, like these people weren't even sick, right? And uh, Joel says, probably not. I was like, well, why would you kill uninfected people? They're healthy people. And he says, dead people can't be infected. So again, that really just calls back to this brutal scorched earth policy that the, what was left of the government at the time, like from what we know of the, both the game and the show, the background lore here is that the government fell apart pretty quick. Like it just kind of was ineffective and martial law was imposed uh, pretty early on. And that's where Fedra basically comes from, the antagonistic version of Fedra, where like they are the bad guys of this setting, or at least one of the bad guys of the setting. And like like we saw in the first episode, just Sarah getting shot and like, you know, all that stuff. Fedra's policy was containment. Just you don't have to save people, just make sure they don't get infected and make more of a problem. And so it was just this absolutely brutal vignette, like this this glimpse at what Fedra did, what atrocities Fedra was responsible for early on after the outbreak. And in fact, it gets even worse, though. The camera zooms in on two skeletons uh, covered in faded clothing. One of the skeletons is very small, way too small. It's a very small skeleton, and it seems to be covered in pajamas, like an in infant's clothing. It was that, 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 that part right there, like, killed me a little bit. That was, that was hard. Yeah. Hard yeah, that watch. sucked. George Bush is America, man. George Bush just. <laughs> I I don't know if we can blame Fedra on W anymore. <laughs> At a certain point, it's out of W's hands. I feel. Then, like. I, then, then I'm blaming I'm blaming Cheney. For, <laughs> it's Fuck. one of those two. One of those two was like, listen, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm selling. I'm selling out. Who wants? Who wants? God who wants it. America? <laughs> yeah. So the, the Cordyceps outbreak turned it from W's America to Cheney's America very, very quickly. <laughs> Hard, hard right Went turn. way down the chain of command all the way to some guy. <laughs> and it was like I, uh, like, it's like, I honestly just feel like it was, it was FEMA and someone just changed the letters. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're not FEMA we anymore. Fedra, those were the old guys. We need to be scarier. What's scarier than FEMA? How about Fedra? <laughs> so now everybody get inside of Boston and shut up. <laughs> oh my God. So. So we see, you know, we, we do see this like this depressing scene of this this baby's skeleton. And then we flash back mm. uh, to September of 2003, back in the W-verse. And mm -hmm. soldiers are in a rural town of Lincoln, Massachusetts, and they can be seen like herding a town of civilians into trucks. And meanwhile, mm. we go to a basement. Uh, there's a man in there who's observing the evacuations through his uh, closed circuit security cameras and soldiers mm -hmm. go in to search his house, but apparently didn't notice his hidden lair. And, I, and it was actually funny because I think they just didn't give a fuck because he goes to the top and he's got and Bill's got his gun and uh, mm -hmm. you hear the guy on the radio specifically say, um, yeah, we searched the basement. No one's or I'm in the basement now and no one's here. And then they leave. So I think it was just like, I'm stepping in, I'm stepping out. I, I, I think you're right. But also he had, it was like a second basement. Yeah. He was a in. Bunker, it was yeah. like, yeah, it was like, it was like a sub basement under the real basement. It was hidden under like a bookshelf. So like he was in, he was under his own basement, but I think the soldiers were not very thorough. I think they were in a, in a hurry. They probably could have found maybe the hidden entrance to, uh, 
his sub basement. But I think, like you said, they're like, nah, we looked. No one here. Good mm-hmm. enough. Like they, they weren't like super thorough about it. And because all these people were about to get gunned down too. <laughs> so it's like, all right. It yeah. Was kind of a yeah. Round so. them up. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was, I mean, it was it, honestly like this was a joint military federal um, uh, operation and it wasn't, wasn't amazing, mm-hmm. but you know, they, so they, they, they miss him and mm-hmm. his, uh, we see that his, his, uh, like sub basement is just like kind of full of weapons and ammunition and canned goods and like just a bunch of, of supplies. Like he is a, um, a prepper <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, or a, a survivalist. Mm-hmm. Big time. And so, like, he pushes open this, like, this, like, secret chest thing or, like, like some some of his yeah. furniture folds up and then he comes out of this second secondary basement and, like, exits the house with a gas mask, a shotgun, a pistol. And then, like, he's got the just the ammunition strap around him. The bandolier. Yeah, just yeah. Going, going nuts. And then, um, you know, after, like, He's ready for war. He's just like checking around with the gun to make sure he's got every, you know, the town to himself. And then uh, he goes on a shopping spree and steals his neighbor's <laughs> boat, loots some yep. gasoline. Like he's just building up supplies in, in uh, like from like board up storefronts. Yep. It even breaks into a utility station to keep his gas line um, to his house in that area <laughs> yeah. operational, which is for for a few has a few uses. We'll talk about later. And then he uh, sets up sets up a generator and and goes about like fortifying all the the just like kind of that general block like in the show yeah. or in the game he had a whole town but like this is actually more realistic because he gets like a good t- kind of town square. Yeah, he has like he has like a you know a cluster of houses fenced off uh it's like he's made a compound as opposed to in the game he basically put up fences in like alleyways like in a more suburban looking place uh this look this place in the show looks more rural like the buildings are a little bit more spread out but in the game it's like he had almost the entire town to himself but his fences were more like built into the city architecture but here he'd literally built a fence of like you know razor wire and uh aluminum and all yeah. that and i i do love i noticed like the gas line thing he is definitely the type of guy who's like no way in hell you're taking my gas stove <laughs> <laughs> i'm oh, all about oh, my that gas, gas stove, stove. I'm that gas that stove got used so fucking much in this. <laughs> my man was cooking oh. buddy was cooking oh. over here he was like he was just making gourmet shit long, long oh yeah uh, yeah you can't like you can't be a uh like if you call yourself a survivalist like you have to be able to chef like bill <laughs> like there's Absolutely. you're not a survivalist if you can't chef like bill no man doubt. was living yeah, he's so with with his own private compound fenced off, full of traps. He's he's all he's all set. He's ready to survive and survive. He does for about four years. Uh, he's you know, we we cut to four years later. Bill is kind of just going about his day to day. He's you know, uh, I think he's like welding something. He's like building shit. You know, he's just you know making, surviving making and banging meals. <laughs> I can't cook like uh, absolutely. I can't cook like that now. Cooking some amazing stuff. There's this one trap. I like. I think he watches it. Like he watches on one of his security camera monitors, where an infected guy walks into a tripwire, and the tripwire sets off like a shotgun shell, which blows off the infected's head. And he's just like, he's like eating his lunch as he sees this, and he goes, "Never gets old." <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Yeah. 
Well, so yeah, like four years on, he's been by himself surviving, getting along uh, for four years now. And he, you know, hears an alarm uh, go off in his house and he notices that one of his uh, sort of pitfall traps where it's like a false uh, ground over uh, a pit has been triggered and he, you know, someone's fallen into it. And so he walks up to the pit, shotgun at the ready. He's just, you know, about to execute whatever's inside it. He's assuming it's infected, ready to blow his head off. But uh, he find, he's surprised when a human voice comes out of the hole and, you know, someone's like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm unarmed. Uh, a scared and disheveled man is inside the hole and he claims that he's looking for Boston. He's like, hey, I'm just trying to get to Boston. Uh, he says he, he came from the Baltimore QZ. An interesting little tidbit this guy offers. Like, uh, we, we didn't really hear much about the Baltimore QZ in um, the game as far as I know. But uh, this man says... Baltimore QZ, gone. It's just gone. He doesn't offer details, but, you know, that can mean a lot of things. Could mean infected, you know, took over or, you know, fireflies threw it over or hunters or whatever. Uh, So, you know, Bill is like, okay, you're not a threat. You're not infected. Uh, I guess I can let you out. So he lets a ladder down into the pit and the man climbs back out. But Bill doesn't let him out until he scans him to make sure he's not infected. And then he's like, okay, well, Boston's that way. See ya. <laughs> he's just kind of sending him on the way, like, move along, move along. But the man says, hey, my name's Frank, uh, I, and I could use something to eat. And Bill's like, uh, I'm not giving out free lunches here, Frank. Um, <laughs> I, he, I, it, it was just funny. Bill doesn't want the word getting out among the other vagrants <laughs> that uh, there's... You know, there's free food in in Bill's town, and so yeah, that was, that was my, yeah. My favorite line of that was just like, "Yeah, it's, it's, this isn't an Arby's. I don't give away free lunch." And he's like, <laughs> "Arby's is a restaurant. They don't give away free lunch." <laughs> and that was kind of yeah. Frank's like, "They they they didn't give out free food. They were a restaurant." And that was just like the checkmate. <laughs> it's like you got. <laughs> like, yeah. Bill just kind of stares at him like, "Touche." Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. You got you got me. Come so, in for some lunch. Okay, you got me. <laughs> Yeah, so Bill's like, he, he, you, we can see him like kind of considering. He's like, oh, okay, fine, come on in. So he invites him in to feed him. And and like, yeah, it's yeah, just got him. He one free lunch now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you have rhetorically bested me. Uh, you've you've earned you've earned something to eat. And like, so so Frank enjoys his uh, like his first hot shower because Bill also has hot mm-hmm. water. Like, so it's Bill. Living large. Bill's yeah, Bill's town is is wild. Um and it's like his, you know, his first shower in a very long time. Cause like Frank had mentioned that he mm-hmm. was in a group of ten people and now there's just him. So like it he's probably yeah. been through some shit and he hadn't eaten in two days been and through he some was shit. just dirty. But like Yeah. You know, uh Bill evidently uh not used to company prepares a meal for them but struggles to make conversation and it's just like not a meal mm. like this man prepared a meal that i would eat that like this he put he put together some julia child shit like it was looking really rabbit good. with the pan sauce and the vegetables I, and like in the wine pairing like it's like if i were to get this meal now i'd pay an ass ton for it so yeah seriously this this is uh this is something you get from one of those restaurants that shows up on Google with the three dollars. Yeah, on it. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got a Michelin star fucking restaurant in this town. But, and like Frank compliments him on his cooking and uh, the shared appreciation of the wine. And that was funny because he was like, "This food, fuck, it's great." And and then Bill is like, "He's like everything tastes good when you're starving." And Frank is like, "Not like this." I'm looking at this food. I was like, "Hell no! I know this food tastes good." Uh, yeah, 
it looks like it tastes amazing. I, I love how Frank just took like one bite and his immediate reaction was just he paused and goes, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> he just looks like, like what Yeah, the fuck? like this was worth falling into a fucking pit. <laughs> like, yeah, like, seriously. Dude. And so like after the meal, which like, yeah, Frank is enjoyed that meal. Um, there's this mm-hmm. awkward silence and, uh, you know, Frank feels pressure to be on his way, but he sees that Bill has this antique piano and he like kind of goes wild over it. There's a funny line where he's like, do you know how much this is worth? And Bill's like, nothing now. <laughs> and it's Currently like, yeah. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, I forgot. And then, um, so he goes through all these books, um, and asks to play it and like he you know he he tosses all these books and he's like this this isn't you then he finds this like linda rodstadt um sheet music and is like this is you he's like knows like yeah, this you. is this is you bill and then he plays okay and then shitty and then <laughs> and then encourages bill yeah he's not an expert yeah at it's it, like yeah. He, got, he got pretty far and then it started to get a little choppy but then bill was like he encouraged bill to play yeah it's like frank plays better than i would obviously but not like amazing he's not concert like, level so it, it, but it's funny though because also it seems like he's playing a song that is very special to bill and so bill is like i can't he, i can't stand to listen to this yeah. song being butchered this yeah. way <laughs> so he's like no 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 no, not that one <laughs> and it's it's hidden too and it's like that's that's like it's yeah. like you know that's why he's like oh this is the thing like it it was like hey no these other songs were like classical compositions and you can tell yeah. it was like bill was like these are my mom so it's like you can tell mm-hmm. like it, they they start to kind of set up what's going on here just like with with the books like yeah you start to see how sheltered bill is yeah in, in that moment yeah yeah like we we can put together that uh, you know, the piano, the music, probably the house that he lives in were all his mother's. Like, Bill just inherited a lot of this stuff. But the Linda Ronstadt music, that's, like, very personal to him. It's, like, that's what's his, like Frank surmised. And so, yeah, like you said, Frank does kind of, like, encourage, well, Bill, he tells Bill, like, well, why don't you go ahead, play for me. And he's like, just one song, then I'll go. That's kind of, like, the deal they make. Like, okay, just play for me, and I'll go. Bill sits down, and he starts playing a Linda Ronstadt song called Long, Long Time the name of the episode and it's just it's immediately you know frank was playing it like a little too fast a little too loud and bill's like soft and heartfelt about it and his singing and his keystrokes they are tender and and real and and authentic and they seem to come directly from his soul this song just kind of comes out of bill and while frank is standing behind bill as he's playing and he's just about he's like on the verge of tears like the the playing was so beautiful and you know i think frank says what we as the audience are all thinking like you don't play that way unless you're thinking about someone special like you're you're that's a that's a love yep. song and it's it, it's that's very special to you obviously so frank asks so who's the girl who's the girl you're singing about and bill's also very emotional he's also near tears and he just says there is no girl and uh frank seems to understand where this is going and he puts a reassuring hand on bill's shoulder and he moves in to kiss him and bill returns the kiss they 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 kiss each other and it's like this spontaneity like you know it's like this thing that happens suddenly but they're both okay with it and uh Bill finally gives Frank his yeah. name. <laughs> Frank just goes, <laughs> yes. so what's your name? <laughs> I, yeah, I did not. I didn't realize that until I watched this the second time. I was like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> you didn't even give your name. 
Frank, you got to get his name first. Come on, man. <laughs> Better late than but I, I, I loved. I loved this scene because all the way through the dinner, all the way through, like, like all the way up until this point, like even up to the kiss, mm-hmm. like Bill was just like so, like shoulders up, so reserved. Yes, and like, just like kind of just, just sucked into himself. But like he mm-hmm. loosens mm-hmm. up right after this moment yeah. like i was like good god you can stand and like <laughs> like you can relax a little bit yeah the i think just cooking for him like started the procedure the process but playing piano for frank is what really brought bill's walls down and really opened him up and like that's like the, i'll get into this later but th- this is like a man like not used to feeling his feelings or just like giving them the space they need and uh he's just really opening up and so, you know, they, 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 they formally meet for the first time. They, you know, this, their interactions take on this new energy and they go to bed together. And, uh, Frank is clearly the more experienced of the two and he takes the lead. And th- this was an interesting interaction because I, I, you know, he asks Bill, like, have you done this before? And Bill says, well, no, well, a girl a long time ago, he, he kind of like blurts out. There was a girl a long time ago and, I really like Frank's response. Like he just says, like, I know, I get it. I know. I, I love that, like subtle, you know, kind of in, intimation of a, a, a gay man, a, a man who, you know, is not attracted to women. He's attracted to men. But, you know, he's been he's been around long enough to probably at some point to have struggled with that sexuality. Like he wasn't sure, wasn't really sure he was gay yet. And like, you know, had an experience with a woman and nothing since. And so it's it's this like. Again, the walls coming down, like Bill admitting that and like kind of opening up to this new person. And so it's this really cool, really natural, very human interaction between the two of them. And but the last thing, last thing we see, you know, Frank is like, you know, okay, I'll I'll take I'll take the lead, don't worry. But if I do this, I'm gonna be staying for at least a few more days. Okay. Yeah, I I loved I loved this like part. They're kinda like they're sort of just like it's just kind of just their their um sort of pillow talk or like mm. it, and so it's just like him just saying like you know i don't have sex for free lunches and i was just like i was like <laughs> i i that's why i love frank i love frank because if frank is always himself even in the most hostile situations he's got a gun pointed yeah. at him he's like nervously making jokes you know they're having right. this like really like super tender connected moment and like it, instead of just being like i like you i could stay a while if that's okay he's like <laughs> you know what i just want you to know like I, like i'm not a whore and i don't have sex <laughs> for free lunches that's a quote from the episode yeah. but i'm like i'm just like i i love that yeah. about him because it's just like i love that about him because it is such a um it it, it is uh, he's always true to himself and I think yeah. Um, yeah. that helps Bill out a ton. Like he is so sure. true and so natural to himself. And it doesn't stop because we have, you know, they we see that this few days has turned into a few years because we cut to mm-hmm. three years later. And, right. um, you know, Bill and Frank, they've fully um, like settled in together, which mm-hmm. for for Frank, that's probably pretty easy <laughs> when you just showed up with a one outfit. <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> they, they are fully they're fully living together they're they're cohabitated um and they are bickering like an old married couple like 
just uh-huh. burst out of the door right away and it's like fuck you i'm like ah <laughs> <laughs> fuck you bill yeah. <laughs> and so like they're they're like really like yelling at each other and it's it's funny funny ass argument because it's just frank mm-hmm. wants to to paint the house and maintain the area and it's like yeah. he like just generally wants to have a beautiful living space um and you know bill is this like resource management guy and yeah like he explains to bill it's like you know paying attention to things is how we show love and mm-hmm. like you know that was that's such a such a uh powerful and real line like paying and if you're in a relationship with anyone it's it is paying attention to these mm-hmm. these small things is like how you show that you care and how you show love to somebody and then he also insists on having friends <laughs> which is like in this world and like in this economy friends friends are already uh, expensive yeah. in this world hell no <laughs> like friends might try to kill you but um like bill is like hell no there's no friends there you know there's no friends to be had and uh, mm-hmm. Frank is like, uh, psych, because I've been talking to a nice woman on the radio. <laughs> and Bill's like, uh, what? You what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that moment. Just the, the outrage in Nick Offerman's delivery was like, like the, sh- yeah. what? <laughs> He's about to explode. Yeah. <laughs> the, I got to say, yeah, like as a married man, we're both married men here. Like, I think we could say like there's nothing more relatable than arguing about the decorations of like, what are we going to do with our shared living space? We have different ideas of what our living space needs to be. And, you know, like I just, I'm just asking you for a little investment. Let me just, let me feel welcome here is like what, and and it's just, yeah, like any two people sharing a space in a romantic setting, especially like there's going to be stuff like this. And yeah, also this, this actually is an interesting call into you know, the game version of Bill and Frank, like we can talk about that in more detail later, but game Frank also had this attitude of, I want more out of life. Like we can have more. I want us to have friends. And, you know, obviously that's an optimistic outlook. Bill does not have that optimism where he's like, no, with who, with fucking literally who, but yeah. So there is that hint though at the end, like, Oh, well, I've been talking to a nice woman on the radio. Actually, (laughs) That was hilarious. But yeah. So, the nice woman on the radio, quote unquote, uh, turns out to be none other than Tess. Uh, and so uh, we cut to a fancy garden party that Bill and Frank are hosting for Joel and Tess. A little double date situation going on. Uh, and it's, you know, again, the comedy is like woven throughout the entire episode so well because like this is also funny because Bill's just sitting here at a table with guests pointing a fucking Colt 45 and, like, pistol at them. <laughs> Frank is like, can you yeah. not? Can you put that away? <laughs> so funny. Oh yeah. I loved, I loved this part. Yeah. And so like t- Bill and Joel are both the taciturn quiet types just sitting, staring across the table at each other while Frank and Tess are both like making the effort of being friendly. They're actually talking to each other about uh, uh, an arrangement. They're like discussing how they're going to work together about, you know, smuggling and finding goods and all that stuff. And so, you know, they're both like into this, like, this is cool. Let's, this is fun. Let's do it. But Bill is very clearly uneasy with all this. Uh, Joel understands though. Like he's, he kind of tells Bill like, Hey, I get it. You know, you don't, you don't want us, you know, messing up your situation, but, uh, but we can help you. He kind of like, Joel kind of gives Bill the the sales pitch. Like there's things in the QZ we can get you. And there's things out here you can get us, you know, we can, we can, you know, we can help each other out. 
But Bill still not interested, not sold on. He says, hey, Frank and I, we're, we're self-sufficient here. We, we have what we need where we can take care of ourselves. But Joel sees through this. He knows this is BS because it's funny. He actually, I liked how he looks over and looks at the fence. He's like, that fence has like a year on it top. So it's, it's starting to rust. You're going to need more aluminum. I can get you yeah. that. <laughs> so it's Joel's cute, cool as a cucumber over here. Like, I got it's, what you need. It's that Joel Miller construction <laughs> hour, man. He's like, <laughs> it's I, back. I can spot a shoddy fence job from a mile away, man. <laughs> you don't fool me with that bullshit fence. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Come on. Yeah. Amateur hour. He, he's there. the Look fourth property brother. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on their way out, Joel and Tess are about to leave. And uh, we can see uh, Tess and Frank are actually discussing a radio code. They're like kind of setting up a precedent for like, hey, if you want to communicate with us, how about we use music to do it? And like, you know, so they're making they're like making plans over there. And Joel pulls Bill aside for one more, you know, quick word of advice. And he tells Bill like, uh, yeah, you're pretty you're pretty safe up here from Fedra. They're not going to come up here and bother you. You're off their radar. And your traps, you know, they'll keep you they'll keep the stray infected away. What you got to be careful of are people, the raiders. They will they will come at night. They will, you know, break their they'll break in and uh, you know, be careful. Basically, just kind of gives them a warning, which uh unfortunately seems to come true. Yeah. I also I just really loved I I loved Frank and Tess together. It was just like cute as hell mm-hmm. like they're just immediate just so happy yeah. to see each other and hang out and then these other people are just like i'm i'm here because of them <laughs> like yeah no <laughs> you see that dynamic in double dates all the time like the the two folks who are like just ecstatic to be hanging out and the other two who are like hey yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is cool i guess this is happening whatever <laughs> yeah like there's a part where they like go away and leave those two together and it just like i was like oh yeah i've been in this situation where i'm like no don't go oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing so uh how about them browns, yeah huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, god god this sucks and so yeah. so we cut um you know three cut three years later like uh well lincoln is secured with a, a perimeter wall of wrecked cars Frank is taking Bill out for a jog and shows him a pleasant surprise, which that wasn't that jog because Bill was struggling. (laughs) Bill was struggling. Dude, jogging sucks. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's so terrible. Um, But there's a patch of strawberries growing in a garden um, on their route. Mm -hmm. And um, Bill at first is happy, but then isn't happy when Frank reveals he traded one of his guns for a packet of seeds. Mm Mm-hmm. When they, you know, the the best the best part of this was this was such a great moment because like when they, yeah. you know, sit down and enjoy the fresh fruit together, their worries kind of melt away, and like yeah. Bill laughs. He just like he eats a strawberry and laughs, and it's <laughs> he does. He does his classic Nick Offerman chuckle. The sounded like it was so sounds adorable. like Clank. From, <laughs> it sounds like Clank from Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is. Yeah. I was like, this is such a, a uniquely you laugh, and I love it. Um, yeah. But like, you know, they they their worries their worries melt away. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bill apologizes for getting older faster than Frank. And yeah. one thing I noticed when I watch this again, what Frank's response to him is what I loved. And he says, like, getting older means that we're still here. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I loved that. And then, you know, Bill tells Frank that, you know, he was never afraid until Frank showed up. And like, yeah. it's just like we're, we're 
open it up. Like you got a guy that was prepared yeah. to live the rest of his days alone in a town that was booby trapped yeah. to shit. And like, so this is, yeah. this is huge. I was never afraid before you showed up is such a huge emotional ad- admission for Bill to make. Like he's showing such growth and just like these cutaways, like, he's like these, uh, you know, time skips where we're just watching them grow old together and grow closer together. And th- just the whole strawberries thing was just, just awesome. Like it was so wholesome and like, you know, you love to see, especially with LGBT representation. I know that that, you know, a lot of people I know who were very happy about the representation here, just like seeing an LGBT couple grow old together. Like it's, you know, it's amazing. It's beautiful. You don't see that in a lot of TV, a lot of media. So this is just a really cute scene, but unfortunately it doesn't last forever. Uh, you know, it seems like later, maybe that same year, maybe a couple nights later, uh, Joel's warning, unfortunately seems to come true because there's a, it's a dark stormy night and we see uh intruders just uninfected humans just uh, humans with bad intentions are trying to break into the fence surrounding lincoln unfortunately for them they set off these perimeter traps and uh (laughs) these these crazy ass uh, uh, amazing like just mad scientist shit traps go off they're like little flamethrowers that just shoot out jets of fire and just immolate a bunch of these raiders uh and you know they're starting to set off like you know booby traps like explosives along the perimeter and and frank wakes up he's like you know he's seeing fire and explosions out the window and he's you know he jumps out of bed and he's shouting for bill like bill bill and he uh he you know looks at the window he grabs a pistol he arms himself and he uh you know looks outside to check the street and in the street there he, he finds bill bill's you know fighting off the raiders with a rifle he's just just shooting at the raiders and uh, Frank tries to get Bill back inside and, you know, Bill's trying to just kill the rest of them, but they're trying to get back inside together. And that's when Bill gets shot, catches a bullet to his like abdomen, lower torso, and he's bleeding pretty bad. And Can we take a moment to recognize that this man was just in the middle of the street with a rifle? Like, yeah. I was like, damn, son, no yeah. cover. He's like, ah, like. I did want to talk about that. Yeah. Like, so I know that Bill, we don't, we don't know that Bill's like a trained combat veteran or anything. He's a survivalist. He's a prepper. Like he has a lot of guns, but apparently isn't like an expert at using them necessarily because like you'd think he would know to take cover, like hide behind something. Like you'd think he would prepare a sniping position somewhere, but no, he's standing middle of the street, uh, shooting at guys who can shoot back. Not smart. Just scoping. So. Just, yeah, yeah, scoping I'm like, yeah. dude is, dude, I'm like, what the hell? Like, not behind a bush? He's, he's trying to do, I think he's trying to make a quick scoping montage for, uh, to put on YouTube later. <laughs> Me? <laughs> or Meanwhile, everybody's just getting cooked. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. So, yeah. To be fair, the, the the Raiders have their work cut out for them. They're getting burned alive and shot at by a guy in the street. So, uh, you know, he maybe he feels like, oh, well, they're going to be too busy being on fire to shoot back. But unfortunately, they do shoot back. Bill catches a bullet, and it's on Frank to get him back inside, lay him on the table, and start trying to treat his wound. You know, puts he puts pressure on it. You know, just try, just tries to sterilize it, and 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 Bill is like talking. He's like trying to, you know. Talk at Frank as if he's about to die. He's like ready. He's like, this might be it. So he's telling Frank, like, call Joel. He'll take care of you. You can't be here alone. Yada, yada, yada. The fence will kill the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, keep the gas on. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> keep the gas. No, it's it's amazing because he's on death's door. He's like, he he's talking like he knows he's about to die. And he's giving Frank a fucking checklist. Like, here's your to-do list. <laughs> call Joel. Keep the gas on. <laughs> like... 
so pragmatic to the end. Like he's, you know, Bill's that guy who, you know, mind on the job at all times. This is the gas stove uh, but, again. No, it was. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, on the libs with the gas stove flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> You're not taking my gas from me. Uh, but no, it, it's also beautiful and poignant again to watch Frank, like, take care of Bill yeah. and kind of talk him through it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about the fence. Like, he's just like kind of absentmindedly, like, you know, trying to patch him up while Bill's just rambling. Uh, and so, yeah, we cut away from that. And it does, it didn't look good for Bill. Like, you know, that cutaway for a second, I was like, are they going to, is this, our, are they going to kill off Bill right here? That's what I was thinking for, for a second there. Cause it was getting pretty intense. Yeah. So. And I, I do like the, the, how they ended it with like, um, oh, you know, while he's telling him this, he's like, I won't be alone. Like, you know, I like you're here. Like, he's just mm-hmm. like the reassurance mm-hmm. from Frank yeah. to Bill is like, so, yeah. so like loving in this moment where there's like people in the background, they're just getting cooked by a flame tower. <laughs> uh, it just right. yeah, so it's just like and it, I, I also just like one last thing I love is like leave the gas on because it will kill the rest of them. I'm like we're we're good at this <laughs> point. We're good on the Raiders. <laughs> They're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> They're that'll take yeah. care of itself. It yeah. will be cooked thoroughly. <laughs> we'll just have to remove the bodies. But like and then we can pair them with a Bourjolais right? leader like the rabbit. My <laughs> <laughs> God. And so the next scene that we get from uh, Bill and Frank is ten years later, which is it. Mm-hmm. I'll speak more about this later, but yeah, it is. It is ten years later. Um, so Bill obviously uh, had didn't die, um, and you know he's he's recovered from his wound. But we get a shot right in the beginning of like uh, Frank is ill and he's in a, a wheelchair and he's outside. He's calling to mm-hmm. Bill to bring him inside. You know, mm-hmm. he, like we see Bill is gardening and um, you know uh, he's painting. Bill is gardening and they're just kind of enjoying this quiet life together. So we take like, you know, we cut to them uh, eating and uh, Bill's reminding Frank to take his pills um, while like mm-hmm. helping him eat. He's like cutting his food and um, he's like handing him the pills and he's like an orangey one, a little white one and a <laughs> round one. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, it's super, it's super cute. It's just like something they've yeah. been together for like, 16 years now like you know, they're yeah. so so damn long uh, and if my math is wrong yeah. i'm sorry everybody <laughs> they've been together i think no i they, think you they've got been it. together a long time <laughs> yeah and so like you know later he helps uh franken into bed and they go to sleep and so you know you know wake up in the morning we see frank is in his wheelchair and um Bill scolds him because like Frank is like, it only took me all night, but I finally got in there <laughs> and Bill is like scolding him yeah. about being in the wheelchair. He's like, don't sleep in the wheelchair. Cause when you do it, you know, your feet turn blue and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, um, you know, Frank kind of stops him and just tells him, tells Bill, like, it doesn't matter because this is my last day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a, that was like a, pin drop moment like the, the the whole scene went dead silent just with you know because today's my last day and you know we cut to their living room bill is sitting on a couch and they're talking it out and frank has made up his mind he's he's decided it's final that he's going to end his life peacefully on his terms but bill is just kind of in denial he's grieving he's crying he he, he just He's, you know, throwing out like little life lifelines there. Like, no, but you know, what if a doctor comes, what if we find a doctor who could help you and you know, you might get better. And Frank's just kind of like talking through it, just kind of talking him down off the ledge. Like, no, listen, it's 
what I have wasn't even curable before all this, especially now it's just, come on, what are we talking about here? Right. But, you know, he's, he's letting, he's reassuring him. Like I, you know, we had, we had bad days together, but I've had more good days with you than with anyone else. And what Frank wants from Bill is just one last good day. And it's just, God, it's, it's, the heartbreak is starting to really set in here. Like it's the downslope of this episode is beginning where it's like, God damn, this is getting get really fucking sad. And Frank just kind of explains what he wants from his last day. I want to go pick out outfits. We'll get married officially. Finally, we'll have a nice dinner and then you will crush up all these pills and put them in my wine. And then we'll go to bed and I'll fall asleep in your arms. And he, like this is obviously he's thought this through like this is just this is it like this is what i've decided and bill's like i can't do it i don't want to i don't want to do it but frank just gives him one more request like, if you love me love me the way i want you to yeah and by this by the, i mean i've i've cried a bunch in this episode and by this yeah. point crying even and more it's just yeah, it's man. just really it's it's hard and it's like it's hard and in this they just they just have this one last beautiful day together um doing like the doing the things that frank wants to do you know they put on the the suits um they privately exchange wedding rings and they sit down for one last home-cooked meal which was the same first meal that they had together Mm -hmm. the rabbit and then so bill bill prepares the wine and he uh crushes he adds the pile of crushed pills to frank's glass just as frank asked and um frank chugs it he really downs it and then bill also downs his glass and then mm-hmm. frank stares at him and figures out that bill had already drugged the bottle and uh that yeah. he is going to commit suicide with him and uh you know bill confesses saying i'm old i'm satisfied and you were my purpose which like this is this is the, the, I'm getting stabbed in yeah. the heart multiple times by this episode. Yeah, this is a painfully beautiful episode. Yeah. Um, and you know, they they share this one last conversation before going to bed together. And every yeah. and, and you know, all of us at home with a soul and a heart like bawling our eyes <sighs> out uncontrollably. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to put into words. It's just so relatable, but like not relatable. It's just, it just, it just hits you where you are. Like, you know, that's a, that's a very human thing. And just, um, an act of love, you know, it's just, it's funny. Cause Frank, like when, when Bill confesses like, Oh no, I'm going to like, we're, we're, you know, we're both dying tonight. You know, Frank like says like, I do not support this. <laughs> I should be furious with you, but under the circumstances, it's incredibly romantic. Yeah. <laughs> so, just the, like they are literally going to their grave together tonight. Like they both know it and they're still just like gazing lovingly at each other and just cracking jokes and just like, this is how they, this is how they want to go out. This is like, this is where they, where they feel like it needs to end. And, uh, they're both fine with it. Like, y- yeah, man, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I guess it turns out that like this happens not long before Joel and Ellie finally show up, it's, you know, it, we kind of cut to, to basically present day uh, where Joel and Ellie, they eventually come up on Lincoln and they find the town seemingly abandoned. Uh, Joel uses the gate code to get in. They don't have to deal with traps. Luckily, they just go right in and they walk right into Bill and Frank's house. Uh, they notice the flowers out front are withered and neglected. That's not a good sign. And also no one answers when they go inside. And, uh, 
Ellie says out loud what no one wants to say out loud. They're like, what if they're gone? And Joel doesn't answer. So they, they, you know, they find rotten food on the table. Joel finds out the bedroom door is locked. And Ellie finds a letter from Bill addressed to whomever, but probably Joel. (laughs) And there's also a truck key, uh, a key to a truck on the table. And so she, she reads the letter, which, which asks Joel not to go into the bedroom. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tells him that he can take uh, anything he needs. And specifically, yeah. he says, I never liked you, uh, but but it's like we're friends almost. <laughs> and then the letter like details like Bill's disdain for other people, but how like he changed when he met Frank, the one person that was yeah. worth saving. And yeah. he compares himself to Joel, saying that they're the type of men who defend people. Um, and which I love because it was like, and God help any man who gets in our way. And like, yeah. I, I, I loved that. And Bill, um, yeah. you know, Bill leaves all of his weapons and his equipment and tells Joel to keep Tess safe, which is a huge yeah. gut punch. And this causes Ellie to stop yeah. reading the letter. Joel takes it, storms out and to read it privately. And, uh, you can just feel him bury the heaviness. Yeah. Like once again, man, just go. There's, I don't know. There's, there's a poem from Khalil Gabar about, uh, about pain that Joel needs to read, but like it's it, it like he really just, you could just feel him just swallow it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Then he goes into Bill's garage, uh, to inspect the truck and, and get it ready. And we, you know, he goes off, uh, he goes off screen for a second. So, you know, what else, who knows what else he yeah. did. <laughs> always, uh, always thinking about truck batteries. He, uh, he's like, basically he builds a battery. He goes back to Ellie and tells her, you know, okay, well, here's the new plan. So he's now been told by Tess to keep Ellie safe and take her where she needs to go. And now that he can't give her off to Bill and Frank, it's still just down to him. So you know, reading Bill's letter that has also kind of given him another nudge in in, in the direction of Ellie's my responsibility now. We, I need to take her with me. I'm going to find Tommy and she's coming with. And so she kind of gives Ellie the game plan. Like, okay, here's how it's going to go. We're going to Wyoming to find my brother. And, you know, he's in trouble. So we're going to, I'm going to go help him. And you're going to come with because Tommy's a, Tommy's an ex firefly. He might know where the lab is that you need to get to. So that's, that's the goal right now. He also lays out three ground rules for Ellie. Number one, don't bring up Tess ever. Just do not mention her again. And I think this is like a direct quote from the game too. As a matter of fact, we can keep our histories to ourselves, is what he says. And rule number two, do not tell anyone about your immunity and keep your bite mark hidden. If they see it, they'll probably just shoot you. And lastly, number three, do what I say when I say it. And uh, so... Yeah, pretty much mirror image of the game where, you know, he kind of gives her the same rules and she just says, what you say goes, okay? So this is like the new dynamic has been established. It's just the two of them now. They're going to go on this trip. And Joel's like, you're my responsibility. You have to listen to me. And here's where we're going to go. Here's where, here's how we're going to do it. Like it's uh, the new, the road has opened up in front of them now. Man is simultaneously trying to cope and honor at the same time. And it's just, <sighs> yeah. and it's, it's, it's rough. It's like, don't, don't talk to me. They should just add like in parentheses. Don't ask me about anything, you know, save our histories because I will fucking cry. 
<laughs> like, like i will i will abandon you and go hard cry behind a tree and come back like nothing happened so like don't say shit joel is that joke from i think you should leave where it's i cannot talk about it without yeah, crying yeah. <laughs> Just like, so don't ask me about it <laughs> i have buried these emotions deep down but there's not a lot of room left kids so knock it the hell off i haven't opened up to anybody in 20 years i'm not about to start oh, with you right <laughs> And it's like, so, so like, you know, after, after we agree, you know, after we go through the, uh, the house rules, <laughs> the two search the town and gather supplies for the journey and get cleaned up. Uh, so you got the toilet paper, the deodorant, the showers, all the fun stuff. Showers. Yeah. <laughs> Ellie, you know, asks Joel for one of Bill's guns. Cause he's got a fucking like wall of guns. And then Joel, Tons like, like so much, so many guns, like this would have been great in the game. But of course, Joel is like, no. And then, you know, however, she does stumble across uh, Frank's pistol while kind of scavenging through their house. And then she tosses it in her backpack without Joel's knowledge. So we'll probably be Ooh. seeing that gun again later. That's right. Really quick. I, I want to point out, I think that's the same gun from the game, I think, uh, or something similar, at least like in the game, it's Joel does eventually give Ellie a pistol like willingly and you know, says like, OK, well. I guess I can trust you to handle this. You know, you might be up for the responsibility, but it's for emergencies only. And the gun he gives her is a very compact, uh, I think it's a 32 caliber. Uh, looks like a Beretta. It's like a Beretta Model 70, I think it is. A bit of a gun nerd coming out here. but uh, And the, the show version that Frank had, you know, in that one scene where they're attacked, it looks like the same kind of same type of gun, so it was a cool little uh, Easter egg there, a little callback there. And it's a it's a you know no spoilers, but it is a huge bonding moment. So I want to see how this is taken care of. Yeah, it is. But yeah, I'm yeah I'm curious now how they're gonna what they're gonna do with that. But they um go to set off on this trip with the shitty S10. God, that, that's <laughs> that car has been kicking it for like now who more than more than almost twenty years. Yeah, I guarantee you it wasn't new when when you know the outbreak happened. So it must be like a half a century old truck at this point. Oh yes, and I also want to um, go back and correct something I said earlier. They've been together twenty years. Or no, eh, no, actually, no, they haven't. It's still sixteen. I'm right. I'm right because because it was four years so, in. Yeah. Ah, I've heard. Yeah. Okay, I was like, hi. There you, you won't go. get me internet, and now I'm just like, you won't get me brain. <laughs> <laughs> you you headed it off at the pass. Good job. But so they, they get into the truck with with like Ellie overwhelmed by the new experience because you know she's never been in a car before, and so it's like a spaceship. Mm. And then she uh, <laughs> plays uh, places a cassette tape in the player, and uh, you know, and and Joel when Joel recognizes the song "Long Long Time" by Linda Rodstad. He's like, whoa, this is Linda Rostet. Do you know about Linda Rostet? <laughs> he loves it. Like, it's just, just like, this is his shit. And, uh, you know, they 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 drive off into the world beyond, and the camera pulls into the bedroom window in Phil and Fra Bill and Frank's house. And funny thing that has, like, nothing to do with any of this, but it's about Linda Rodstedt. I cannot hear the name Linda Rodstedt without thinking of this episode of Bob's Burgers where – Linda tries to sing like Linda Rodstead and all she does is say Linda Rodstead over and over again. <laughs> so when they when they played it, the end of this episode, all I could hear was like Linda Rodstead. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely oh, crazy. Man. But that ends our coverage of episode three, The Last of Us, titled Long Long Time. We are going to take a quick break because the S10 broke down. And then we'll be back with our <laughs> overall thoughts. 
Yeah, well, we're going to siphon some gas. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Okay, so we're back, and so, yeah, we've kind of broken down the episode. This was a big one. We already shared, I think, some thoughts and reactions we had about this episode. You know, it's hard to keep it in because uh, a lot of feelings. This is a very feels-heavy episode, long, long time. So, I, you know, overall thoughts, uh, looking back on it, put simply, this was brilliant. Just a brilliant episode, no doubt yep. about it. Like, moreover, though, like more than just being a good episode, this was a surprise for me. Like I was not expecting this type of story. So it was a very pleasant surprise, but it definitely was not what I expected out of this episode because you know, I kind of like after the first two, I was kind of expecting like, oh, okay, we're going to get a bunch of awesome action scenes where Joel and Bill are like fighting through a, a you know, swarms of infected in the Lincoln high school. until I get the truck battery and shit. Cause you know, that's kind of what you do in the game. So I was like, oh yeah, we're going to see that in the show. But what we got instead was this poignant, deep, and just, you know, emotional episode that was also an incredible way to motivate Joel into accepting the call to adventure he got in the last episode. Yep. That's I feel like this was a the thematic follow-through on, you know, the ending of episode two where Tess kind of entrusts him with this mission and sort of, you know, do it for me kind of thing. And he wasn't really fully bought into this voyage yet until he had that letter from Bill. So, like, this whole thing, it moved the plot along, but in a way I didn't expect it to. Yeah. So it was completely just a surprise for me. And secondly, my other main takeaway here was just watching Bill and Frank have this fulfilling life together was, you know, Obviously, on one hand, beautiful and just touching, but on the other hand, there's also an interesting inverse of the game versions of these characters because in the in the game, like Bill and Frank have a much more strained relationship. It's obviously like there's like a bad breakup, basically a falling out between them, and it's it's not nearly as happy of an ending for those two in the yeah. game. So it's like th- this story from the uh, from the show. It could almost be seen as like the good timeline where <laughs> they. Yeah, like they get along, they, you know, resolve their differences and they have a happy ever after. And the game version is the timeline where it's the bad timeline where Bill pushes Frank away and doesn't adjust to having a partner that he can rely on and have have someone rely on him. Like there's that give and take. Um, So it's like a what if scenario almost like what if Bill wasn't such a hard ass and such a, you know, stick in the stick in the mud and he was allowing himself to feel things and be happy. And that's what the show shows us. Because I think in the game, he never got to that. I was never afraid until you showed up mode. I think mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, he was a hardcore, hard ass resource manager. And he was just yeah. so <laughs> focused on surviving. Like that ending, I watched someone play it the other day and just getting the note like, Frank is a, you know, Frank was never shown in, until he was he was yeah. gone. Not alive, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And like the note he leaves Bill about just like basically just like I fucking hate you. <laughs> like it's yeah. just yeah. You suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you're just obsessed with this fucking town and you never want to do anything. Like you you don't see anything mm. beyond this. Yeah. Like such a huge difference. Yeah, like the, uh what HBO showed us in episode three a long, long time was the version where Bill decides, yeah, okay, I'll let you paint the house. Yeah. <laughs> like and the game version of Bill is no, I'm not letting you cut the lawn. <laughs> Go yeah, away. Like, and everything just goes downhill from there. It's crazy. 
But no, yeah, I love that. The parallels there were really cool to think about. And uh, I just have a few other stray thoughts I'll wrap up with. It's just that I want to call out the uh, scene at the beginning where Ellie freaks out about the Mortal Kombat cabinet. I thought that was a really cool callback to um, in uh, Last of Us Part 1 and also the Left Behind DLC where, yeah, in, in Last in Last of Us Part 1, they're in Bill's town when they find an arcade cabinet and Ellie's like, oh yeah, my friend knew all about this game. It's cool. So yeah, I like that. Nice little, nice little reference there. I, I, I wrote this down earlier. 10 miles west of Boston isn't fooling anybody. Way too many mountains. I don't know. It's like that got called out. Like people were roasting that scene. At the Even Stephen like, King. Yeah, okay, nice <laughs> yeah, Stephen King was like all over that shit. Like Mr. Uh, king of Maine yeah. over here. The king of the North, king of New England is like, nah. uh you can't get with his with drink that. hat on <laughs> with the, like a number one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh. And uh, yeah, I think I already mentioned this earlier, but like I, I couldn't get it out of my head. Like, what the fuck was Bill doing, just standing in the middle of the street, shooting at the shooting at the Raiders like that? But yeah. Oh well, I I'll let it go. But that did stick. It's the out George to me. Washington tactics. Don't fire till you see the whites of their <laughs> eyes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, you know, I, I just jot this out this down too is like i love the conversation like you know we talked about how f- the first cutaway to three years later when bill and frank are together now and it's like oh fuck you <laughs> like let me like what's wrong with you resource management this and i just loved like there's that exchange where like oh i'm sorry bill i live in the real world not a psycho bunker where 9-11 was an inside job and the government are all nazis <laughs> bill's like the government are all nazis <laughs> Frank goes, well, yeah, now, but not then. Yeah, I, <laughs> and, and to which I was like, mm, yeah. <laughs> that was probably like the collective uh, moment from a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess to, to Frank's point, it's hard to it's hard to compare. Like, at least we have democracy where we are now. Like, Fedra, you know, full on, like, oh, yeah. just boot healing authoritarian but that was that was pretty funny the government were all nazis (laughs) just a lot of things i just really had fun with this was like an amazing this episode was an amazing uh, combination of like things that were fun and heartwarming and just you know entertaining but also like the fucking payoff if you can even call it that of just the the crushing blow of their the ending to their story like it was all just it was all beautiful oh yeah yeah, if you would tell me that they could take this one section of this game and turn it into that, I would have never believed it. Like, like, yeah, honestly, one of when I first saw the casting for like Nick Offerman as Bill, I was like, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. And like it was yeah. it. This is outpaced my expectations. Like I was like, oh, this is the perfect person <sighs> yeah. to play. Like this man seems like he lives this like. This is his his thing. And then it's like, no, you get Bill yeah. and Frank and you get to see their entire story. And it's beautiful. Like I watched an entire episode about two people who like loved each other and worked out their differences and like made each other better. And it was fucking yeah. fantastic. Like it was such yeah. a good departure for the game. And like what I honestly want to say is like, I know that um like Naughty Dog Studio, uh, like Naughty Dog Studio is like really diverse and they've got um, like a lot of they you know, they have everybody from all walks of life, like people from LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. like, you know, ethnicities, colors, etc. Um, and like 
I think that like they did they did bill some justice because there were some outdated parts of the Last of Us Part One. Like, you know, it's like they're out here like, yeah, Bill is my or uh, Frank is Bill will tell you like Frank was my partner, and it was like after you find Frank mm-hmm. dead because he had um, hung himself after being bitten, and mm-hmm. it's just like. Okay, yeah, Frank is my partner. And then you really, like, how you can really piece together uh, Bill's sexuality is because Ellie finds a porno magazine in Bill's Bill's collection of stuff. It was a a gay porno magazine. Mm -hmm. And she, like, then she, like, kind of makes a joke about this, like, naked dude in this thing and, like, then throws Mm -hmm. it out the window. She's, like, really, like, just kind of of a shitty teen about it. Like, it's like, ha, 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 look at this, what I found. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was yeah. like, that would have not translated well, and it would have just generally just been kind of off-putting and, and sucked. And like, it would have felt like a sidelining. It, I think, it would have. I guess. And I, I and so like, yeah, there was. I can't remember exactly what Neil, how Neil Druckmann put it, how they decided how they make changes. Like, um, but this was a great change to make, and this was like absolutely lovely. Instead of Bill being this uh, mechanic that that like. You know, it's just like, here's a level I need to beat so I can get a car. It's like, we just get this, this just, um, I don't even call it like slice of life story, I guess. I don't know. Or, yeah. And it's, it's just, yeah. I, it was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, and I loved that it was really yeah. honest. Um, and it, it was honest and true and natural. Like, there was none of this, like, you know, oh, we're like um, a gay couple. So, it's warm embrace all the time, but like, you know, nothing else. Like it was like, we're not going to do anything mm-hmm. that uh, we would normally have a, like couples do on a, on a TV show. So it's like, you got a straight couple. Yeah. Maybe, like yeah. you get, you get like them, right. them kissing them being loving that, you know, they have sex. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All of the things that you would do and, and yeah, argue and argue and, and yeah, argue fight. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was, I, I loved it because it was so true to life and it wasn't yeah. like um, it wasn't faked. Like, cause I, I see that a lot when they try, yeah. when you have LGBTQ representation that like a lot of times people can fake it. Like, like they, they fake, they fake things. And so it feels unnatural. It's like, Oh, they're not going to kiss here or it'll be like peck on the cheek. I was like, mm-hmm. I loved this. It's natural from start to finish. And like yeah. even just wrapping it up with the line, like when, you know, in the last day when Frank is like, you know, I'm not going to give you this like, um, you know, every day with you is a blessing from God. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I've had like I was like, this is so this is just so good. I, I loved this. It's like it was like you guys are yeah. this is a very um, it was a very honest, and real just couple. The level of authenticity and nuance in all of it was astounding like it is so authentic i guess i guess we could point out like nick offerman in real life isn't a gay man he's he's married to a woman but like i think he did understand the the emotional struggle the turmoil of opening up on any level like whether it was to a friend who became more than a friend and like they both like they understood the assignment so well shout out to murray bartlett who played frank guy they they both just had such amazing chemistry and yeah like you said the honesty of the entire situation came through them so well and it was all written so well and performed so well 
uh, just yeah, just everything. And if you hit. pull it out, if you even go outside of uh, you know them being like a gay couple and everything, it's like like these are the struggles that all couples face in in life. Sure. Like um, you know, there's the uh, God. I remember how this was put, but it's it's basically like I I loved this dynamic where you have sort of the open person like the open like um you know joyful person and then you have the closed off person that is like the closed off tough person that is like more uh that's only joyful with this person you know like they open up for this person and i love it and like you know you know that is an experience of you know if uh you know you're a queer couple or straight couple like it was just that that's what it felt honest like you could like this is a um very like this was just like a very honest like couple's experience and i also yeah. just like the lgbtq representation was fantastic like mm-hmm. one of the best pieces that. of yeah. media and i think the last thing i will say about this is you know um it's it's like you get so consumed by the frank and bill story it's it's so funny to think that like there's more to this episode like i get I like I even when I watched it again today, I like there's a lot of powerful parts in like the Joel and Ellie thing. But you're just like this Mm -hmm. Frank and um, the Bill and Frank part are just like so powerful. But what I loved is what we talked about with Joel, you know, like Joel is like this compartmentalizing king. Like he can just, yeah, he's really he can just idea. fold the worst situations into himself and like continue to do stuff. Yeah. And then just, you can just hear the explosions on the inside. And like, you know, mm-hmm. if you think about it, what this shows, um, and this was a good point. Someone, this is a few points someone pointed out to me, but um, it's like in a span of a few days, he lost every person, nearly every person that was remotely close to him, except for Tommy. Like, Bill and Frank, they were friends for years. Like, you know, they, yeah. they were friends for years. Tess, like this man lost everybody pretty much yeah. and, except for his brother. And he doesn't know if his brother is alive right now. He's searching for him. So mm-hmm. like Joel is experiencing more and more loss. And like while he doesn't want to talk about it and while he doesn't wear his like heart on his sleeve, we get these moments. You know, we get like these moments where you know, he has to take the note outside. Like he doesn't open the yeah. door and yeah. he doesn't want to read the note at first because he, he kind of knows. And it's just like, you do it. Like Ellie, you read this note. Like normally Joel wouldn't trust yeah. somebody with something so personal because he can't even talk about his feelings. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we, we see he has to, he has to go outside. He needs a minute. And then when he comes back, but, but yeah. he can't just take a minute and come back because then people are going to ask him about his, Ellie's going to grill him about his feelings. So what does he do? He goes and fixes, creates a, makes a car battery. <laughs> he gets yeah. busy. He, he puts his hands to work. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, you're right though. Like, that's a good point about just compartmentalizing. Like that's something that a lot of people do in daily, I, I do it in daily life where like you have to take a moment to take inventory of like, what am I feeling? Yep. And w- where's that coming from? And uh, it's like, okay, I've, I've identified it. I've categorized it. I've acknowledged it, but now I have to move on. It's like, it, it, he's, and like, like you said, like we can tell very, very visibly he's, he's an old hand at this. He's a pro at just, all right, here's, here's what's going on up here. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and just 
lock it away and move on. <laughs> like, yeah. put, you know, go go build a battery. <laughs> it's, it's we keep seeing that happen, and it's really interesting. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's like it's just it's slowly slowly getting to it. Like like it it, get, it you could tell like you get yeah. those subtle clues throughout the episode that he is mourning, but he doesn't know how to anymore. Yes, like yeah. he just Big doesn't time. know how to do it. Like like the second he had yeah. to take to to uh, you know soak his hand, he stacked those rocks. Was probably like, I'm gonna go soak my hand because it hurts. You know, uh, right, like it, right, <laughs> yeah. And the rocks, like that's the most grieving. Like that's the most emotional processing he's gonna do. Like probably ever about that. Yep. So that's as good as it gets. <laughs> yep. Thanks, uh, thanks, Bill, for the truck. Yeah. Like, but it's like I'm not gonna even think about <laughs> yeah. that. Like my only two other friends are dead now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. It's 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 depressing to think about. He's got nowhere else to go now. Like it's it's really just the only way out is yeah. forward, and it's no other option but to just keep going and you know i'm i've been saddled with this this brat this this punk kid that you know no one else is looking out for i have to do it now and just all right well fuck like it is what it is it's what life's a garden dig it you know <laughs> joe dirt like let's just go let's just do it and i guess <laughs> and it's like even worse that he's got the kid because we already see that like yeah like he's not going to admit it but having a kid around is triggering some some old feelings because yeah. like when he beat Lee to death, uh, that was he was thinking of that old soldier, and he's yeah. protecting his daughter. He was going back into father mode a little bit, uh, subconsciously. And he still yeah. got the the you know the bruised hands, and I know him looking like every time he looks at his hand, he's always like, you know, like the the slow kind of like grip, like he's just like, I feel like every time he sees his hand, he sees Lee, he thinks about that situation, and he thinks about how he felt then. And it probably brings him back. Yeah. So it's like you got this kid there that's like, you know, this is you're not you're not my obviously you're not my daughter. I don't consider you anything like this. But it's like you're still a kid in my protection. Mm-hmm. And the last time there was a kid in my protection, she died. And like that was the worst yeah. moment of my life. So it has to be like so like that's also has to be a, a factor in like why he's like kind of keeping himself so far away from her emotionally. Yeah. It could, yeah, like you, you remind me of my daughter in every single way I don't want you to. Like a, any way that Ellie reminds Joel of Sarah, like it's all going to be painful. There's no way to remind him of his daughter that's going to not be painful to him. Even when they, even when they so, go back and forth and shoot the shit, like when they were shooting shit at each other, he yeah. was shooting shit at a, with his daughter in the first episode. Like, you know, yeah. he'll do it to a certain point yeah, then he, he just kind Sarah of too. pulls back. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like, and, and I, I love that we got those moments in this episode too. Like, this was this was an episode all about Bill and Frank. Like, that was like the their story was central to this episode. But I love how it was like bookended. Yeah. You know, he kind of like have like the beginning and the end was you get to see Joel and Ellie's dynamic develop and Bill and Frank's dynamic develop and kind of see its conclusion in the in between. It was it's it's a story sandwich. Yeah. A delicious yeah. one, you know, yeah, with the, like a tragically the center, a tragically beautiful love story. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, I think uh, last thing we'll do before we uh, we'll wrap up here. I, I just want to shout out a couple more lines of dialogue, just some quotes that I found very, very interesting. <laughs> uh, I just I just really loved at the beginning when Bill's in his basement. He's watching the Fedra soldiers leave and he just kind of looks 
Very, very much a Dale Gribble energy. Oh, 100%. Always. It looks like, not, not today, you new world order jackboot fucks. <laughs> and I was like, that was actually his first spoken line of the episode. I was like, as soon as I heard Nick Offerman say those words, like, here we fucking go. Let's do this. I love it. Oh, my God. I lo- Yeah, like, part of me feels like Nick Offerman was like, here's my, like, when they cast him, he was like, this is my actual survivalist uh, handbook. Let's just do this in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> And I like and it, but it was, it was oh, good. Man. It was good because like, if he didn't do what he did, he would have been shot and died in a ditch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He would have ended up in that mass grave. Yeah. They were just transporting yeah. to kill. Turns out he was right. He was right all along. Everyone laughed at Bill, but Bill had it. Bill had, had the right Who idea. Who is laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> and one other thing I, I keep thinking about, it was so funny. I loved the. You know, the, the bickering at the first time skip where where Frank and Bill are like, you know, having their marital spat. <laughs> Just like I, I loved how, you know, Bill's about to say something like it's about resource and Frank just cuts him off like Bill, if you say resource management, so help me, I will run through <laughs> one of your tripwires. <laughs> I just loved how like lifelike this episode this this little argument was. Like, no, just married couples do that. They just like but like, you know, they, they try to keep it productive, but it's also like this is just a little bickering session they got going on. on. It was it was so oh, yeah. funny. You know so each good. other's you know each other's uh, ticks and you know each other you're going to say it yeah. in, a, in a certain moment. Yeah. Three years. Like, I know I know what you're about. I know you're uh, a stickler for resource management, but fuck off with that. For all once. Right. I just want to paint a house. Love, damn it. And cut some grass. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, but, man. You know, like overall, just final thoughts. I will just say that this was probably the best. I will say this is probably the best piece of media that I have consumed in years. This was, this is a fantastic episode. Um, This is like, I watched this episode, like watching this episode was just like, it's just beautifully painful. Like watching it twice, uh, still like, Mm -hmm. it still just has the, the same the same sting like i you cry through the whole thing and you cry for different reasons like this was fantastic the representation was fantastic Mm -hmm. this was such a beautiful story for what would have been an otherwise insignificant character in the grand scheme of things like Instead of yeah. Bill just wandering back into his town alone with nobody, knowing that his the only person that he like cohabitated with hated him, they went out together, uh, you know, and it was their choice to do so. Like the last mm-hmm. line of, mm-hmm. um, "I'm old, and I'm satisfied, and you are my purpose," is was beautiful. It was beautiful. It yeah. was dark. And like if this single singular episode doesn't get some sort of award, I will be fucking pissed off. And also it it's it's a sure thing. We're looking at Emmy nominations, oh, no doubt. Hundred percent. And um when a, somebody I know said that um like can you imagine that like the way that you know, if I'm looking at the changes that they made to this episode and how beautiful it is, can you I can only imagine how in the best way possible that the how fucked up things are about to get if you've played this game and that is like where what i'm 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 thinking of so if you're a review bomber 
uh, go to hell. <laughs> there you go. And that's the <laughs> mic drop. I think that's our general stance on lore party here. If you're if you're a review bomber, just get a yeah. life. Like yeah. fuck off. <laughs> it's just <laughs> general. But no, like with you 100%, like uh yeah, I think there are already some Emmy conversations happening about this episode. Like there's no way it's not going to get some kind of nod at least. Uh but no, yeah, also that's a great point. We're not ready at all. We're not fucking ready for uh where this series is is about to go with this season. I can't wait. I, I, I've watched this episode twice now too, like, uh, on my second watch, uh, I didn't, I didn't full on cry either time, but I, I welled up both times. Like it, it, it hit just as hard the second time I, I watched it alone the first time then with my wife the second time. And we were both just devastated, gutted both times. Um, no, nah, man, it, like, like you said, change is good. Like I, I'm, I'm with it. Like these were, this was an amazing, uh, direction to go in with, like you said, what would have otherwise been. A side story, just kind of like a, a background, you know, just piece of fluff, really. Just a little bit of window dressing kind of background flavor that would have been sort of pushed to the side. But instead, it was given the space it needed, the respect it deserved, and just like it, you know, they, they just gave that story room to grow. And it it grew into something truly special, truly unique and amazing. So, bravo. Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.